covenant than just the little family that surrounds if we are to do it well. And I've been thinking about that this week in relation to a church. And I've wondered, you know, if it takes a village to raise a child, what does a church do? And my best shot at that was to, to propose at least that it takes a church to raise a disciple, that it takes all of us to raise um, what God is trying to develop and what tr- God is trying to do in our lives. Um, it says in uh, Matthew, Jesus said his last command, really, go into all the world and create disciples, make disciples, invite people into relationship with me in a way that would create this thing called disciples. If you uh, think of the Vineyard Churches of New Zealand, our, our mission statement as a movement in New Zealand is being disciples, making disciples. It used to be our Shore Vineyard mission statement. We changed it for various reasons to loving God, loving others, but something of the same idea. This is what we're here for. This is the process that we're in, is to love God and love others, is to be disciples and to make disciples. And so when, as we did today as a church, we, we rise in our hearts to a family and we say, uh, what did we say? We said to Chris, Adele and Oliver that we will love them, pray for them, assist them where possible and help them carry the responsibility of raising their son. This is, an, this is an, an amazing thing that we're able to do together along with natural family. We, their spiritual family, are able to do. It's a fantastic thing we can do. And when we say that, I'm thinking not really about Ollie sitting there, kind of can't walk, uh, can't walk yet, or sitting in his um, pushchair or pram or on his dad's knee. But I'm thinking about Ollie um, one day whose who's, um, cute little backside is going to be sitting on one of those because he's going to be in Sparklers, which is the old orange room, and, and he's, going to be, uh, he's going to be beginning to grow and learn and the things that we do. And then I'm thinking of him sitting out there um, with the other kids rating all of the chocolate and all of that sort of thing before any of the adults get out. That's what, um, that's what your children do. He doesn't do yet. So he will be out there. And then I'm thinking about the gap, because at the moment we've got so many people who are in seek that DG has got rid of all of the chairs in there and they have to sit on their backside. So that's, in, that's the intermediates and early high schoolers. And then eventually I'm thinking about him. He's going to be sitting here in the congregation. He's going to be uh, in a process growing in church or in whatever church he ends up in and developing and growing as a disciple. And we will play a part. His church, his people, his family will play a part in all of that as we go. One of the things, I love these bottles. I don't know whether any of you has even noticed if you're not a parent. But, and I actually don't even know. I meant to ask Janelle. This is probably maybe such old news. But we, use, we, we do. We do. I'll say that we do. We have a milk bar after church. And I love the idea of the milk bar. And you might think, well, that's a pretty trivial thing. And should you give um, you know, kids milk with sugar and all of that sort of thing? And I'm thinking, in 20 years' time, I want to see there'll be children who will be saying, I don't remember anything about Sunday school or what I learned, or, or you know, not so much. But do you remember the milk bar? And do you remember that we lined up and sometimes some idiot had bought green stuff instead of brown stuff or pink stuff? I love the green. And I used to, I used to kind of elbow my way to the front of the queue and then I'd go around the back of the queue and try and get a second bottle. And sometimes I'd actually do it and sometimes I'd miss out. I love that we create memories like that. That's as much as disciple making as, you know, going to an Easter camp, for example. The other things that we do as a church. I, I love that we can do that as a church. And, and, and a church like that is a church, I think, that raises and makes disciples. How powerful it was, wasn't it? 
um, as Adele and Chris shared this morning, this whole idea of sowing in tears and reaping with Adele joy, you know, kind of what a, what a beautiful thing it is to be a church that's part of that, of, of the journey that they, have, that they have walked. And I've thought a lot about that this week, obviously knowing we were going to do Ollie's dedication and all of that. And, and I've, I've had this quite profound, I think quite profound question go through my mind. And that question is, are we ever meant to weep alone? And I don't mean by that, are we not allowed to weep in private? And of course we are, and of course that's probably where we'll do most of our weeping. But the way that God creates us for families and relationship, and I, I want to add church to natural family, is that when we weep, and we will weep, and we will struggle, but the idea is that we don't weep alone, that we have those around us who are going to come shoulder to shoulder and, and arms and circling and, and, and are part of our life as indeed uh, uh, they will be part of our life as we are weeping, as we're giving to them and they're giving to us. There are some beautiful passages in the Scriptures about us being together, about us being a, a church, a people, um, growing together, sharing things. One of them is in Acts chapter 2, and it reads like this. If, if you've been in church for a bit, you'll probably know this, but, but just think about it a little. Um, it says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so if you talk to Calvin, who's our associate pastor, who's on the drums this morning, if you haven't met him yet, Calvin often talks about the Scripture. And I detect, I think this is probably a fair comment, he, he talks both inspirationally about what that could look like and somewhat wistfully about, but I haven't yet seen it in the way that I would love to see it. Imagine he, he, he incorporates even as he says it. Imagine if we could be a church like that. And I think sometimes we get mixed up, you know, kind of, does this mean we should have communion every time we meet? And, you know, kind of do we literally have to give all of our possessions together? And wasn't that just for then? And isn't that for now? And we missed the point. And the point isn't any of that really. The point is that we do this life thing together, that we are there for each other, that we don't walk this walk alone, that we are stronger, that we are better, that we are, we are in this thing um, for better or worse, as we go together. I think it's a magnificent thing. And then Romans 12, 4 to 6 says something similar, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. So we're lots of different parts this morning, aren't we? But, but together we're one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other. Isn't that incredible? And what does that mean? And, and isn't that worth exploring? for a lifetime together. How fantastic would that be? We have different gifts that goes on according to the grace given to each of us. I've been thinking um, over the last couple of months, really, about something that happened in, in church about um, maybe about five years ago, something like that. We had, a, we had a volunteer in our church who volunteered to give up some of her time sort of in her school leaving year. And, um, and that was pretty exciting for us because because there's always more to do than you have people for. And, 
And, and, so, and so we kind of unfolded her as part of our team. And on the first morning, we used to meet in Northcote College and we set up the hall every week. And often that was quite difficult because of school events and we'd break things and, and all sorts of things would happen often. And I remember I asked her to put up some posters and we were doing a series that, um, uh, series that week and, and to get some posters up. And for some reason, I got transfixed that these posters were going up too jolly slowly in the context of, you know, it's half an hour, it's 25 minutes, it's 20 minutes until the service starts. And I, I felt myself, I felt some, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know, frustration just bubbling up inside of me. And I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm quite close now to snapping and I don't really ever snap. And it's like, but I just felt the pressure of all these other things that were coming on as this girl was doing the best. And I, I, I managed to bite my, bite my tongue and, and I'm so glad I did. A, a couple of years later, I was sitting um, at her 21st birthday party. And I'm thinking, you know, I am so, so glad that I didn't do that because as an older male pastoral figure in her life, that would be the narrative that almost everything, I, I volunteered to help and the first time I turned up, you know what happened? The pastor bit my head off. And I thought, I've been thinking about that a lot and I feel like God's been speaking to me through the whole thing. And my sense is, you know, we're not a church about getting posters straight. Although I like them straight. You've got to, you've got to know that. I'm not that here. We're not a church about good coffee. We're not even a church about having great worship or great preaching. We're not really. We're a church about helping to raise disciples, to grow in faith, to meet Jesus, to know God, and to walk along that walk. That is our mission. That is our call. That is why we're together here today. We're a church about helping to raise disciples, and it takes a church to raise disciples. So I've got a couple of questions for you, a couple of questions for you to ponder. The first question is this. Oh, oh. Let's get that over and done with, because I've got something really important to say. But I set you up for it, didn't I? So my first question is this. Why are the people in this room important? Why, why are the people in this room important? Have a look around. Just have a look at them. Have a look around. Go on, you can do it. It's church. We belong to each other. Have a look. Come on, have a look around. Motley lot, eh? Why are they important? Why do they kind of make a difference? Would it matter if they were here or if they weren't? How many names do you know? How many people do you know? How many stories do you know? You know, I know in, in, in this congregation, probably from conversations that I've had, three or four people who are worried sick about their teenagers, you know, either for educational reasons or health reasons or behavior reasons or whatever. And we get to, we get to be that together somehow if we can if we can rise to the possibilities that are represented within the room. You know, there are people who are flying in their jobs and, and, and just doing so well. And there are people who are at career crossroads and are wondering, you know, whether they've chosen the right things. If we can do that together, not that necessarily it fits just one-on-one, -on -one, but that we get the opportunity to connect. What an amazing thing that is. There are new people here. There are people who have arrived here today wondering whether anyone will talk to them. There are people who are here thinking, is this my home? Is this where I'm supposed to be? Maybe there are people who have been here a long time and are asking, is this my home? Is this where I'm supposed to be? 
we're all vulnerable, aren't we? We all come with our questions and, and our worries. And, and the idea is, I'm sure at the end of the day, that the idea is that the answer is, is among us and with us and through us. I love that most of the Bible is written to groups and to churches. Colossians 1, 2, as most of Paul's letters, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. If he was to write to us, he wouldn't write to the board, or he wouldn't write to the staff, or he wouldn't write to the pastor. He'd write to the people of Shaw Vineyard Church. And he'd say, I love you corporately before you understand that I love you individually. I, I think so anyway. Aristotle, 500 years before Christ, summed up a lot. He said, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. This is an important thing. And so when we talk about camp out, it's not an event for people who love surf and sand and, and, and camping and, and the odd cyclone thrown in, you know. It's, it's, not, a, it's not an event, you know. It's an event to, to gather to do life, to be with people. You might hate the beach, but it's still the place to be. You know, with, um, with our Easter camp, you know, I hope, my hope today would be that, A, all 90 envelopes would be gone, and B, none of them would be taken by the parents of youth group kids. You want to know why? Because they've already paid for their kids to go, and we may be able to subsidize. But by doing it, we invest in Oliver to go to Easter camp in 13 years. And those of us who have children, it might be a wheelchair we need over here. So those of us we have cho- who have children are investing back. And those of us who don't have children or had them so long ago, it's an investment in the life and health of our families that are, that are so important. Not, a, not over any, anybody else or any other you know, kind of group, but, but are so significant. And so wouldn't it be great as a church to say, I take that because I'm making a statement. That is just me. Home groups are a bit like that. You, you say, oh, we're going to do home groups and we're going to be launching new home groups um, after, after our camp out. And, and often you say, oh, I don't, just don't like home groups. And it's like, well, what about home groups don't you like? The idea is that we connect. And actually the content's almost irrelevant. The idea is that we're eating and drinking together and loving and hearing the stories and hearing the pain and hearing the, the joy and the success and all of that. At the end of the day, did I have a half an hour Bible study? Probably for most people at the end of the day, that's not the key thing. It's, it's like, was I loved and did I connect in that place? So today I feel like we've probably met our youngest church member, Oliver, and I want to introduce you to somebody who may well be our oldest church member. So Kath, why don't you come up? I want us to meet you. Come on up. This is Kath Locke. She is beautiful, beautiful. Isn't that great? I had this picture that as soon as you came up that you'd put your arm around me and I'd put my arm around you and it happened. Isn't that beautiful? So tell me, Kath, because I'm a pastor who used to be a journalist, how old are you? I'm 82. 82. That is fantastic. If I live as long as my mother, I'll be 102. A hundred and two. So we got it for 20 years. Isn't that fantastic? So I, I deduce from your accent that you're not New Zealand born? No, I was born in South Africa. Okay, so how long have you been in New Zealand for? 
um, four years. Just four years. So you, you immigrated at 78 or 77? <laughs> yeah, my children sponsored me to come here. Wow. And are you a, you're a permanent resident or a New Zealand citizen yet? No, I've got permanent residence. Permanent residence. Mm. Pete and Kim kindly sponsored me to come here. Okay. So Pete and Kim, who are Pete and Kim? Pete is my son and Kim my dear daughter-in-law. Isn't that beautiful? And I think you have a dear granddaughter who we see quite a lot of as well. Oh, yes, you yes. do. What's her name? Cassie. Okay, so so Kath is Cassie's grandma and um, Cassie is involved with our youth and our children and our night church congregation. We don't see her so much in the morning, but um, we see her every Sunday night. And, uh, of course, Jamie, um, Pete and Kim's son, is in Wellington these days. Now, Kath, really the reason that I... Well, the reason that I thought that it would be great to introduce you today is a conversation we had going up the drive the other day. I don't know if you particularly remember it, but you were, t- you were saying something to me about, you know, every day is a good day. I don't know if you, if you can remember that and if you're happy to say it. Can you kind of just tell us how good life is? Well, I wake up in the morning and I say, <clears throat> today is going to be a good day. And no matter what happens... It's a good day. I just was so inspired when you said that to me as you left, and I felt like these guys needed to hear that. Today is going to be a good day. I I suspect you've seen some hard times in your life. I have. I've seen some very hard times. But you're resolved. It's part of your nature, but you're resolved. There are all sorts of landmarks in my life that have changed me. And got me to where I am now. And to a place you can say today is going to be a good day. In New Zealand, definitely a good day. <laughs> Absolutely. Can you tell me, do we need this lady in our church? Oh, my giddy aunt. Talk to this lady. Thank you so much. God bless you. Isn't that just the youngest and the oldest and everybody in between? How good. Is this? How good can it be? And then my second question as we come to an end is this. I don't know whether we'll click over. So why is everyone else important in this room? Maybe we've answered that. But why are you important? Because you are important in this thing. And we used to think about, well, why do people choose a church? And I used to be a little bit down on this idea of people choose a church because they're comfortable and they feel like it will meet their needs. And, you know, kind of the, I don't know, the Presbyterian side of me would always say, well, that's not the reason that you should choose a church. You should choose a church because God says so, you know. So you can see that coming through. I'm in the process of getting healed as well, eh? as, I, as I confess my sins in front of you today quite uh, liberally. So, but then I thought about it and I think, well, that is what you want, isn't it? To be a place where you feel comfortable, we'll come back to that in a sec, and where you feel it'll meet your needs. Of course, that's, that's a human nature. But that's the beginning, not the end. That's the beginning of I can make family here, and I can grow here, and I can contribute here. That's what being a disciple, that's what being a church that makes a disciple is all about. I was talking to uh, one of our new families, um, the mom of the new family, and um, I was saying, I, I felt my ego rising a little because, you know, kind of the, they said, oh, you know, we feel like this is going to be our church. I'm really pleased. I'm always really pleased to hear that story. And um, so I felt my ego uh, rise and I said to her, oh, so why is that? And, and the first thing she said is she said, I've never heard you preach. <laughs> and it's like, 
I thought they all came because I was so good, you know, witty, you know, kind of ethos, pathos, all of that sort of thing. But no, you know what she said? She said, because I take my baby into the baby's room, hello, baby's room, and she said the, probably the ladies, but it may be the men, the, the other parents who are in that room are warm and friendly and loving. They remember my name, and I feel like they love me, so I'm staying at this church. I mean, how cool is that? How cool is a church that's able to do that sort of thing? And so everyone has a part to play. Everyone has a color to add. Everyone has a contribution to make. And everyone is part of this church that makes disciples. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 says, The body is not made up of one part but of many. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Now you are the body of Christ and each of you is part of it. I'm nearly finished, Ollie. Just about, mate. Chocolate cake's coming. Yeah. We're going to sit you on a big chair. No worries at all. I love that smile. That is so cool. Because we're better when we're together, aren't we? We're better because together we are whole. Without each other, we are not whole. We feel we are. Our society tells us we are. I'm pretty self-contained, but together we are whole. We're better because we can't do it alone. There's not a single person here who has enough resources, enough gifts, enough kind of uh, common sense to be able to do it all alone. Because the gospel, we're better because the gospel's not about abstract ideas, but it's about people. At the end of the day, that's what it is. We're better together because in Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we become that flesh and we dwell with each other. That's why we're better together. We're better together because we're not designed as individuals. We're designed for relationships, for families, for congregations, that's why we are better together. It's a magnificent thing to be part of a church community. It's a magnificent thing to welcome a new baby through trial and difficulty. Seven years, I think Chris was talking, talking about. And it's a magnificent thing to work with people for whom that's been much easier and for whom even people who don't even have the, the, the wonderful end to the story. We, we all understand life. But we do it together and there is something that is in there that God is calling us towards that will make a, a difference for eternity, I want to believe. 